You might wonder how I created this podcast. I'm using the Anchor app, and here are the details. First of all, Anchor is free. You can record, flag, and edit your podcast on your phone or computer. And you know what's cool? Anchor will share your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and other places where you can listen to podcasts. Make money no matter how many listeners you have. Use the Anchor app to do everything in one place. Download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hola familia, my name is Deborah Johnson Miranda and I am your host for the My Be Budget podcast. I'm a money mentor and a budget coach, and I am here to guide Latino Gen Xers on their journeys to wealth and control over their money. One of the ways I do this is by sharing my own journey and the mistakes that I have made in the past, from which I have learned and that I want to share with you. I'm an immigration paralegal, a caregiver, and a multiple income streamer earner. I am a firm in the belief that it's never too late to start your journey and to take control of your money. I know what it's like to overcome generational trauma and barriers to having money, but I also know that you can do it as long as you have the supports that you need. Over a year ago, I was a financial mess, and by taking small steps, I have vastly improved my situation. I began the process of fixing my credit, I escaped from foreclosure, and I am building up my retirement funds. I've learned how to control my money, and I'm here to tell you that you too can control your finances no matter what your age. My goal each week is to inspire you to become worthy of your money's power and to show you how to remove the shame associated with past money mistakes. I add a dash of inspiration because half the money battle is mindset and overcoming so many barriers. Every week I end with a consejo about money or about something that I hope you think will help you as you begin the new week. This week I'd like to start off by talking about an issue that came up while I was listening to an interview with one of my favorite podcasters and money queens, Janice Torres Rodriguez of the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast. Without her, I wouldn't be talking to you today, so you can blame her. Anyway, She was being interviewed on Instagram Live about the need for people to feel and be powerful with their money, especially women of color. We need financial literacy like crazy. At one point during the conversation, I was reading the comments, even though I was supposed to be in class, and one comment made my ass burn and I had to respond to this person. Someone, and I'm not going to mention gender or race, said that finance is universal and therefore there should be no need to differentiate the dissemination of financial literacy between people of color and white people. I responded back that there indeed needs to be a differentiation because our needs are different in many respects. We have to overcome the otherness of immigration, both legal and undocumented. We have to overcome the trauma of generational poverty and the taboo over discussing all things related to money. Add on top of that, you've got racism, discrimination, banks that don't want to lend to us, landlords who won't rent to us, schools that don't educate us, and the end result is a perpetual cycle of poverty 
and a struggle to gain financial footing. Not every person of color faces these challenges, but many do. And when black and brown people talk about finances, we listen. I really listen. We need those voices. They come from a place of wanting to share their knowledge with those of us who for too long felt like we couldn't be members of an exclusive club. Across social media, there seems to be a lot of angry people who are calling out people of color, especially women of color, who talk about finances, for talking about topics that are important to us. I don't know why they get so triggered when black and brown women call out the systemic racism across all levels of finance, and then proceed to show the rest of us how to conquer those barriers so that we too can build generational wealth. There ain't nothing wrong with that, so if this is a problem for you, then don't listen. Anyway, if you don't believe that systemic racism exists, you can always look it up because it's everywhere. The majority of stockbrokers, analysts, CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, bank presidents, people who control money, most of these people are white men. Look at Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and Elon Musk. Major, major billionaires. Even the dearly departed Paul Allen, who co-founded Microsoft with Bill Gates, was white. May he rest in peace. So don't tell me that there doesn't need to be a differentiation. But I do have an example of something that I remembered from last summer of stupidity in the banking industry. So not only has Wells Fargo, I hate Wells Fargo, not only has Wells Fargo been called out by Congress and fined by regulators for opening millions of bank accounts, the dumbass CEO Charles Scharf doesn't even hide his ignorance. In a meeting last summer with bank employees after the murder of George Floyd, he said, and I quote, while it might sound like an excuse, the unfortunate reality is that there is a very limited pool of black talent to recruit from. This was in response to why Wells Fargo doesn't have more black employees. Really? He should join the Dreamcatchers Facebook group, which is full of black women kicking ass in their personal and professional lives. No talent, my ass. These women are buying houses, investing, building wealth, and more importantly, they are teaching the next generation. There's no such thing as a lack of black talent in finance. I see it every day. So that was enough for that rant. And now I'm on to my weekly money update. So what's going on with me and my multiple streams of income? This past week, I put in a lot of time and effort in my eBay store. On December 31st, on my vision board, I set a goal that I was going to list at least, I think it was 25 items a month to sell online. Right now I have about 152 items in my eBay store, but I've been neglecting it over the past year. January was a bust. Um, and even though I did make some sales, I only made about $73, but it's income and I'm going to take it. All I had to do was package the items and stick them in the mailbox. I mean, my son stuck them in the mailbox for me, but I still had to prepare them. I'm going to make that $73 double in February at a minimum, and so on. I've also had more paralegal work from the attorney that I contract with. I expect more work to come my way now that the Biden administration is proposing pathways for undocumented immigrants. Mm -hmm. Being an immigration paralegal fulfills my desire to help my community, and I love it. 
it's exciting when I know that I've played even a small role to help unify a family or to extend protection to somebody. It's a really good feeling to have. The next gig is that I am starting to tutor a seven-year-old girl in Spanish. On Saturdays, I'm going to be doing that because her moms want her to keep up with the language. The pandemic has made it kind of hard for her to keep up her skills, and she's been falling behind a bit. So we're going to work on that once a week. And finally, I have another client for budget coaching. This is bomb because this woman has been needing help for quite some time, and she has taken a huge step in getting things under control. So we're going to be discussing different plans, and we're going to have a meeting this week. Now on to the main topic of the week, which is the problem with Generation X. We are a problem. Or rather, we have a problem, and it has a name, and that name is money. And it doesn't look good. Gen Xers are in our late 30s and early 50s. I'm going to be 51 in about a week. So I am, yeah, definitely Gen X. We're the generation of MTV, Iran-Contra, Reaganomics, big hair, and big shoulder pads, unfortunately. Somehow we got into the mindset of not having enough money saved for retirement. We've been diverting money to other things, and we carry more credit card debt than any other generation. We're maxed out and we're struggling to take care of our children and of our aging parents, many of whom are baby boomers. In my case, I'm taking care of my mother who's 87 and she is not a baby boomer. She is a member of the silent generation which came before the boomers. I don't know why they're called silence because if you knew my mother, you would not say that the woman is silent. But seriously, we do need to fix this. As our parents age, we're being forced to face our own mortality and the possibility of running out of money. And that does not look good for women because we tend to outlive the men. The stress of not having money for retirement or not having money to send our kids to college is getting us burned out, especially black and brown communities and other communities of color. And we are way too tired to gather up any resources to help. And this is causing major financial and health issues. The pandemic has made things worse. Even though we aren't running around as usual, taking kids to lessons in school or taking our parents to the door, to the doctor, or to their activities, we're facing an overall slowdown and the stress of the pandemic, and in some cases not being able to see our parents, has been really hard. Taking care of our kids and finding ways to keep our parents safe has caused stress overload. We know that our parents are stressed because they can't go out. We're stressed because our kids are stressed and our kids are stressed because they're tired of looking at a screen all day. And that's something that we need to talk about. I, for one, am adamant that we can reduce some stress by thinking of new ways to earn money, whether passively or actively, and to increase our retirement savings bit by bit. It is not too late. And I am on a mission to teach people that it's not too late. Finally, we have made it to your consejo of the week, and that is that your credit card is not an emergency fund. Many people think that credit is for an emergency, and I'm here to say, hell no. An emergency fund is a savings account that has money in it for emergencies. I think back when the pandemic first started and people were starting to lose their jobs, 
there was talk about how the majority of Americans didn't have even $400 to pay for an emergency. $400 is about two front tires, depending on the car. And we didn't have that money. And the pandemic has really just made us look at that really with eyes wide open and has made us realize that not having even four or $500 in the account is pretty much an emergency in itself. Anyway, you can go online and you can open a savings account with a bank that is going to pay, pay you interest, higher interest that you're than you're probably getting at Chase or Wells Fargo or Bank of America or your local credit union. Start small and build up. Even though the recommended amount is to have three to six months worth of savings, you don't have to have that within three months. You just need to have something and you need to have a plan to build it up to three months at the very minimum. It may take you six months or nine months or a year to get to three months worth of savings, but at least you'll have it and you won't be tempted to use your credit card. Want to get straight with your money? If you think you need help with your budget, you're probably right. If you're looking for a budget coach or mentor, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at MyBeBudget. Come back each week on to the podcast to get an update on my financial journey, get tips on managing your money, get over the mental hurdles, and as always, you can have a consejo. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave me a review. Drop me a comment about what you'd like to hear about in the future. Until then, thanks for being here and have a great, wealthy week. Ciao, ciao.